like Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes, Practical Tools to Improve Your Mood and Quality of Life. This is the second module in five modules on emotion regulation. In this section, we're going to define emotion regulation and identify why it's important and how it can actually help you. In the last section, we reviewed the basic theory um, under, underlying dialectical behavior therapy. And now we're going to move on to talking about how to apply that theory to help you manage your emotions so you don't feel like you are overcome or overwhelmed with negative emotions. So before we can talk about emotion regulation, we have to talk about emotion dysregulation. And emotion dysregulation results from a combination of high emotional vulnerability, extended time needed to return to baseline, and an inability to modulate your own emotions. What does all that mean? High emotional vulnerability means you tend to be somebody who is more reactive. You get upset or bothered by more things than most people seem to. It doesn't mean it's bad or good. It just means you are more sensitive. You're much more um, reactive to your environment. An extended time needed to return to baseline means that once you get bothered or upset, you can't just turn it off. It takes you a little bit of time to calm down and get back to where you were. And an inability to regulate or modulate your emotions. And that's kind of the crux of dysregulation, which means when you get upset, it's not like you can say, no, I'm not going to get upset about that. It just, the feeling seems or feels like it overcomes you. Emotion regulation helps you figure out why all of this happens and develop tools in order to help start controlling those emotions so you feel like you're in control of your thoughts and your reactions and your urges. It's important to note that if, you're in an, in, if you are emotionally reactive, you might have found that your environments up until now have often been invalidating. When you've gotten upset, people have told you, you're just getting way too upset about this, or don't make a mountain out of a molehill, or just get over it. And you found it very difficult to do that. So you stuffed your feelings inside and you quit letting people know how you felt about stuff because every time you put it out there, it was kind of like you got, got your hand slapped and they said, no, that's not how you're supposed to feel. Well, you feel how you feel. And that's the first thing I want you to take away from this presentation right now. When you get upset, when you're happy, whatever it is, you feel how you feel and that's okay. What you do with it is what is going to help you figure out whether you're going to interface well with others and be happy or if you're going to be stuck in that emotion. Emotions are a natural response. It's your body's way of telling you that either there's a threat and you need to fight or flee or that was really good. Let's do some more of that. Once you understand that your emotions are your uh, just kind of a inborn reaction, then it's easier to deal with because how you should feel is irrelevant. Your body is telling you, based on the information I have, this is either really good or not so good and you need to do something. That's all emotions are. They are functional to you in your reality at the moment. And I'm going to talk a lot about spiders in this one um, because I love spiders. But a lot of people don't like spiders. They don't know much about spiders. Um, so when they encounter a spider, they get scared. 
natural reaction. The body's going, that's a spider. I know enough about spiders to know that some of them are poisonous, so I need to get out of here, get away from this spider, and, and neutralize the threat in some way. Whereas when I see a spider, I'm like, oh, cool, because in my reality, I know that the, the number of spiders in my area that are actually poisonous to people are like four, and I know what they look like. And most of the time, what I'm seeing are little bug catchers, and I think that's pretty helpful. I'd rather have a spider eat mosquitoes and gnats instead of me having to kill them with insecticide. So based on different realities, based on different knowledge, we have different reactions. Emotions function to communicate to others and influence and control their behaviors. When you're angry, how does that influence other people? It either gets them to submit or they fight back or they go away. You know, those are generally the three reactions to somebody who's angry. So you're influencing and controlling their behaviors. When you're happy or when you're excited, you can also encourage them to do things. Um, Think about how other people's emotions impact you. If somebody's having a really bad day and they're really angry, what's your reaction? If somebody is really depressed, on the other hand, what is your reaction? So you start to see how other people's emotions influence you and can affect your behaviors. Now, what your behaviors are kind of dependent on you. Some people will try to comfort someone who's depressed. Other people will be like, yeah, not sure what to do with that. So I'm just going to quickly back away and not, not deal with this. Emotions also serve as an alert or an alarm, which motivate your own behaviors. Like I said with the spider. In, in someone's reality who's not aware that most spiders are really harmless and quite helpful, they might be frightened because they don't want to get some sort of poisonous bite. So that fear motivates them to either kill the spider, which makes me sad, or back away from the spider and get away from the situation. Emotion regulation is the ability to influence how you experience and express emotions. So I said that you will feel emotions. It's just natural. It's one of those sort of knee-jerk responses. It's automatic, designed to protect you. However, what you do with those emotions, when you feel angry, you can stew on it, and you can have negative thoughts, and you can dwell on it, and you can remember every other thing in the world that made you angry in the past 24 hours, or 24 years for that matter, which probably doesn't do much to help you feel better. Or you can choose to... Accept the fact that you're angry in this moment about whatever it is and figure out how to improve the next moment. Emotion regulation starts out by helping you mitigate unwanted emotions by reducing vulnerabilities. In the last module, we talked about interconnectedness and how if you're tired or you're sick or you're in pain, you may be a little bit more vulnerable to being irritable and cranky and just not on your A-game. So one of the first steps in emotion regulation is to try to make sure you're on your A-game as much as possible. But when you're not on your A-game, to be aware that you're having a bad day, you're stressed out, you're tired, whatever it is, and make accommodations so you're not acting as if you're on your A-game. You can't handle as much stress on those days when you're vulnerable. You need to cut yourself a little slack. 
So emotion regulation is about being aware and mindful of how you feel, what your strengths are on that particular day, in that particular moment, and taking the steps necessary so you can achieve your ultimate goals of being happy, being pleasant to other people, having healthy relationships, etc. Emotion regulation teaches that emotions in and of themselves are not good or bad. You know, kind of said that three different ways now. So hopefully you're hearing the fact that being angry is okay. Being terrified is okay. That's your body saying you got to get up and do something. So instead of judging yourself and saying, I shouldn't be upset about this, saying I am upset about this and just accepting it instead of fighting with it, suppressing emotions and telling yourself you shouldn't feel some way tends to make things worse because you're not identifying or addressing the message that your body's sending. Your body's going, there's a problem, and you're going, I can't hear it, I can't hear it. It's kind of like if the smoke alarm was going off, and instead of paying attention to the smoke alarm and trying to figure out what was causing it to go off, you just put, put in earplugs and ignored it. What would happen? You know, sometimes nothing would happen, but sometimes you'd be in big trouble. So don't suppress it. When you have that alarm go off, it's time to pay attention and figure out what needs to happen to improve the next moment. None of us wants to stay angry or scared. Our main vulnerabilities, sleep. And there's going to be an entire episode just on sleep. But sleep in and of itself can make you feel better. Or make you feel worse during deep sleep is when your body balances all of your neurotransmitters that are responsible for helping you feel excited and happy and calm and any of those emotions they get all balanced out during your deep sleep so if you're not getting good sleep then you may have more difficulty regulating your emotions nutrition forms the building blocks of the neurotransmitters, the brain chemicals that help you feel your emotions, your happy ones and your excited ones and even your angry ones. So if you're not getting healthy nutrition, it's like trying to build a Lego house without having any of the little four-block Legos. You're going to have some holes in there, and it's not going to be very stable, may not even be able to build it at all. So it's important to try to eat relatively healthfully. I'm not talking go crazy with it. I mean, you can if you want to. But start with small changes. The first one being drink enough water. Your brain is 80% water. When you don't have enough water in there, the chemical reactions and the electrical signals that help your brain communicate between different parts and tell your body what to do can't function effectively. When that happens, then you're going to have problems um, thinking clearly and sometimes even feeling happy. So get enough sleep. Drink enough water. Try to eat somewhat healthfully. Have some colors on your plate. Try to prevent illness, but when you are sick, just recognize that, you know what, I've got the flu or I've got a cold, and today I'm not going to be 100% because my body needs energy to fix itself, to heal itself. So I'm going to, you know, give myself a little bit of a break. You wouldn't ask your child or your best friend to be 100% if they were sick. You'd give them a break. So give yourself the same. If you're in pain, 
Now, some pain is caused by stress, and pain can cause stress. So it's important to try to figure out what you can do to mitigate that pain as much as possible, um, whether it's taking anti-inflammatories or ice or stretching or whatever your doctor tells you that you can do to help mitigate that pain. But also, unfortunately, accepting that sometimes we're just going to hurt a little bit. And once you stop trying to fight that and say, I shouldn't hurt, it will be easier. Because everybody hurts a little bit sometimes. And, you know, as you get older, you start aching and creaking and hurting a little bit more often. It doesn't mean anything's necessarily terribly wrong. It just is what it is. So you need to be kind to yourself that day. And stress. And that's just kind of a garbage term for I just got too much going on and I'm overwhelmed. But when you've got all that, you wake up and you're just, you're already kind of feeling discombobulated because you've got so much stuff going through your head and you're so stressed out and so overwhelmed. How do you think that's going to affect the rest of your day? So figure out what you can get rid of, figure out what has to be done, and figure out how you you can be kind to yourself as much as possible while you're in this state because your body is on high alert. It's already expending a whole bunch of energy just trying to help you deal with the stress, the anxiety that you feel because you think certain things have to get done and you don't know how you're going to get them all done. So cut yourself some slack. One of the things that I see a lot of people mistakenly do is hold themselves to a higher standard, think that they should be on their A game 100% of the time. None of us is on our A game 100% of the time. So once you accept that and you hold yourself to the same standard that you hold everyone else to, you'll find that you have a many fewer shoulds. I should do this. I shouldn't feel this way. You're just going to be okay with it is what it is. So one activity that can be kind of fun, I call it the reactivity solution. Um, Think of yourself, you know, we've been talking about vulnerabilities, all those vulnerabilities we just talked about. And if you wake up one day and you've only got a little bit going on, you slept pretty well, you're eating pretty well, your energy's good, you're not sick, you're not in pain, you don't have much going on in terms of vulnerabilities. There's a few things you got to get done that are causing you a little stress, but not much. So how much more can you tolerate in terms of additional stressors for that day? You can actually put quite a bit more in there before you start to overflow the cup. And nobody wants to overflow the cup. Now, if you wake up one day and you're sick and you're in pain and you didn't sleep well because your nose was stopped up and you've got six different meetings you've got to go to that day, your vulnerability glass may already be full, which means you don't have much room for any additional stressors. So think, how full is your glass? How much room do you have for additional stress each day? And what can you do to make room for any additional stressors? You know, stuff's going to come up. So is there anything you can do to help yourself feel better, to reduce your stress, to, you know, maybe it's a matter of eating something because your blood sugar is low. But what can you do to kind of lower your vulnerability level? So in order to do that, you need to know what works for you. How can you reduce each of one of these vulnerabilities? Lack of quality sleep, um, poor nutrition, including hydration, pain and illness, and stress. 
what is it that you can do in your life so let's take lack of quality sleep and i'll just give you some examples you need to figure out what works for you first and foremost i tell people caffeine stays in your system for 12 hours so the caffeine you drink at noon is going to be keeping you a little bit more alert at midnight so if you go to sleep at nine that means your first three hours of sleep aren't going to be good quality so cut down on caffeine especially after especially after noon um, and try to create a sleep routine doing the same three things that get you ready for bed each night because that cues your body in that it's time to start making melatonin so you can sleep poor nutrition carry around a water bottle with you if you have one with you you'll tend to sip on it throughout the day even if you don't love water you'll find that you drink a whole lot more if you really really can't stand it having it chilled helps and having some lemon in it and i mean real lemon not the lemon that comes in a jar um, can help take the unpleasant taste out of it um, those are the best ways obviously crystallite or powerade or something can also be used you want to avoid anything with sugar or caffeine or carbonation in order to maximize your hydration for pain we've already kind of talked about that work on stretching pay attention to your bed a lot of people find that because they have a poor mattress or they sleep in some sort of wonky position that they wake up and they're in more pain so make sure you've got a good pill good pillow and at least a decent mattress um, and you know try to keep the dogs out of the bed and when my daughter was little and she would come sleep in our bed the child would run a marathon in the middle of the night I, I i don't think she moved near as much during the day but she would turn around 360 she would be kicking me in the kidneys you know it, it was just one of those things that i knew if haley came in the bed that nobody was going to get a good night's sleep sometimes you can't avoid that but being aware that it impacts your sleep and it also can cause you to sleep in weird kind of funky positions if you're trying to you know cuddle a child or pet a dog or whatever you do when you're falling asleep illness do your best to prevent it um, make sure that you're eating a relatively healthy diet use those little wipey things on the cart when you go to the grocery store but i try to keep one in my hand because the cart yeah everybody's hands are on those but everybody's hands are also on all the products that you pull off the shelf and you look at so you know during flu season i tend to carry one of those around a little bit more and what can you do to eliminate your stress and only you know what your stressors are so you're going to have to figure out are there things that you can eliminate going back to the fact that emotions are normal think about finding a spider crawling on the wall next to you we've already talked about that spider in that moment your reality at the time did the situation involve a threat to your safety or sense of control probably because you may not know what the spider is going to do if it's going to catapult down with a web or it's going to bite you um, so if you're afraid of the spider if you think the spider is dangerous then you're probably going to have a fear reaction think about a time you got angry because a friend disagreed with you and it happens people disagree with you and you can just get kind of a little attitude in that moment again your reality at that point in time did the situation involve a threat to your safety sense of control or self-esteem 
Now, if they um, said something nasty or said something that was demeaning or condescending, then that goes against your self-esteem. So that's a threat. So anger or frustration or irritation, whatever level of anger you've got, is a natural reaction. But what do you do with it? If you take that anger and you lash back out, how's that going to play out? If you lash out at that person, how are they going to respond? And then how are you going to respond? How are they going to respond? It probably is going to go downhill. So to change the reality, to change your emotions, you need to figure out how to either change your situation, change your knowledge, or change your thoughts. I'll give you another example. Um, Going on a roller coaster. I'm terrified of roller coasters. I mean, logically, I know that you're totally safe in them and nothing can happen, but I'm still terrified of them. So when I go to an amusement park, if I have to get onto a roller coaster, I'm scared to death. So I can either change the situation and choose not to get on the roller coaster so I don't have to be scared. I can change my knowledge, which I've already tried to do, and I've educated myself that how safe they are, but that didn't seem to work um, in that particular situation. Or I could change my thoughts about the roller coaster. I could look at it as a test or as a growing experience. Um, I've never chosen to exert the energy to do that. I just choose to change the situation. But that makes the anxiety go away in that particular situation. And Riding roller coasters isn't a big part of my life, so that doesn't make me feel like I'm living like a hermit. It just makes me feel like I'm not going to ride a roller coaster. There are going to be other things that you're not going to want to avoid all the time. Maybe you're afraid of driving, um, and, and getting on the interstate scares you to death. So you can change the situation and choose not to take the interstate. You can change your knowledge about um, how safe it is to drive on the interstate and what you need to do to increase your safety on the interstate or you can change your thoughts and whatever thoughts you have that tell you that being on the interstate is a scary place you can start challenging them and looking for um, reasons that being on the interstate might be more beneficial than going the back roads and figuring out why it is more effective in that particular situation to face your fears. Emotions are not good or bad. You tend to be more reactive with unpleasant emotions when you're already vulnerable. So if you're already tired, sick, painful, all that stuff. By reducing vulnerabilities, you can reduce your reactivity. So you're not already kind of edgy. So you'll have more energy available to deal with what life throws at you. The next step, once you've reduced your vulnerabilities and gotten yourself as close to 100% as you can for that day, the next step is to address unpleasant emotions by improving the next moment. You, You feel how you feel in the moment, but in order to stop feeling that way, you either change the situation, change your knowledge about the situation so you can feel better about it, or change your thoughts about the situation. 